Namaskar. Goods and Services Tax is entering into the seventh year of its existence. Now the big question is, what will happen next? To talk about all those things, uh, we have with us two eminent guests, MS Money, Senior Partner with Deloitte, and Darshan Bora, Partner with Economic Law Practices. Uh, Mr. Money, let me start with you. How you see the journey of GST of six years? See, I think it has been much better than what we expected, and especially seeing the first one or two years of GST, where businesses had a lot of lot of challenges. So, if I go back today at the end of six years of GST and compare it with the situation that prevailed pre-GST, I would say we have completely altered the landscape of indirect tax on businesses in India. No longer do we have an excise duty, a service tax, different VAT across each state. Uh, an entry tax in some cases, uh, an opt-out in Bombay, entertainment tax in some places, various other cases. We have got rid of all of those. And today, any person, any manufacturer, producer, consumer wanting to buy a product in anywhere in India attracts the same rate of tax. Okay. So people don't now pay different rates of tax for toothpaste, depending on the state, television, depending on the state, mobile phone, depending on the state. That's gone. So, if I look at last six years, my sense overall is we have made enormous amount of progress in six years. Of the six years, I would divide it into two buckets. The first bucket was the first one or two years, where even the GST and the GST officials, it was new for them also. So everyone was grappling with the change, and that period was a little difficult for all businesses in India. But after the initial hiccups of the one or two years got over, last. Three years, especially, has been excellent because the GSTN works very, very, you know, well. All the tax authorities are now focused in ensuring that every single compliance is online. There is absolutely nothing which is offline or which requires a visit to the tax department. So, to a very large extent, I would say businesses in India are very happy today with the way GST is. Some time back, recently, we had we in Deloitte had done a survey on GST, mm-hmm. and in that also, when we asked six hundred odd people, very senior people in the industry, on whether they were happy with GST, almost seventy-five percent of people were absolutely thrilled with GST compared to the past. Mm-hmm. So my sense is it has been a big success. Does it still have areas of improvement, as you said before? Yes, of course, it has got certain areas which can be improved further. Okay, uh, Dashan. When we talk about any system, any taxation system, uh, there are a host of laws and subordinate legislation. For example, when we talk about GST, we have hundred and first Constitutional Amendment Act, which provides the basic framework for GST. Then we have the CGST, then UTGST, IGGST, and then twenty-eight state laws and three UT laws with the uh, uh, with the assemblies. And also we have compensation cess. So, with this kind of legal structure, do you think that the law is really simple to make it a good and simple taxation system? Right. So, uh, you know, we just have to take a step back. Okay. You know, what was the situation prior to GST? Okay. We are such a diverse country. Okay. So, each state had a you know has their had their own VAT laws, had their own you know local taxes. Okay. Apart from that, for you know, depending on the nature of tax. 
uh, nature of the transaction you you know you face different taxes okay if it was it was a service it was a service tax if it was a sale of goods then you know vat and perhaps if you're doing a manufacture then there was an excise okay for a country as diverse as india as big and as vast as india uh, at least what we have you know after the constitution amendment for gst we had a common constitutional framework okay over which you could have a you know levy which is on a you know transaction of supply okay and be it a transaction of supply of goods or a transaction of uh, you know supply of services so we had this you know the constitution framework which was given and after that if you really look at it you know the gst council came up with the model laws and you know if you look at the cgst or the various state gst or the utgst laws they are following the same concept so while you may have a multiple you know uh, acts to deal with you know from a legal standpoint the the provisions are replica of each other okay so what we have today you know is a single you know regulatory framework okay to tax transaction of supplies across the country while you may be subject to uh, different jurisdictions depending on where you are located you know you, uh, there may be multiple acts but the underlying framework is one okay so this is you know this has happened first time since independence and this is really you know this has set up india you know to grow from here you know the the system can you know now be changed you know it can be you know tweaked as per the requirement requirements of the future but at least you have that framework so so this has happened for the first time in india okay uh mani sir uh, coming to you about this gst number collection number so whenever we talk about gst the first thing which is highly discussed is the number so now we are in the range of 160 150 to 160 lakh crore a month do you think that giving the potential of the consumer class in the country this number is really indicating the consumption pattern in india See a one lakh fifty thousand crore or a one lakh sixty thousand crore number, which seems to have become the new normal in the last few months, uh, was actually looking like a dream uh, even one year back. Because I remember even a year back when the collection would be one point four lakh crore, uh, it would be a cause for celebration. So it has been progressively increasing. Now to your point on has it achieved its requisite potential? to a large extent to answer that question we would need sector wise data of the collections which sector has contributed what amount to the collections and then link up that sector wise data with the growth in that sector because certain sectors for instance we have been seeing are doing very very well aviation is doing very well hospitality is doing very very well consumer durables are doing very very well cement is doing very very well now if the gdp numbers emanating from these sectors is plotted against a collection from those sectors over two discrete time periods mm-hmm. then it's possible to come to a conclusion on is there a need to focus on a particular sector more is some sector doing very well but the requested amount of tax is not flowing to the government or is the right amount of tax flowing to the government okay. because for the gst collections to my mind there are two variables it's it's uh, you know it's really simple to understand that the first and foremost variable is how the economy of the country is doing mm-hmm. that's a big big variable so if the economy of the country is doing well gdp growth is 6 and 1/2% 7% uh, 
consuming class is increasing. Uh, tier two, tier three towns are doing very, very well. That is one variable. The other variable is what are the actions of the GST authorities in curbing tax evasion? Hmm. How are they keeping track of the tax evaders? How are they going ahead and deciding that there are a certain, a very small segment, I'm sure, but a very small segment of people who may be trying to game the GST system? How do they keep track of all those activities? These are the two primary variables which determine the collection. Hmm. But for us to know and arrive at a number that this is the right number, that number will always be a dynamic number because it also depends on these two variables. As the economy does better and better, hmm. the GST collections will go up and up. If the tax evasion goes up, the GST collections will go down. So since both these factors are variable and both have got a sectoral impact, extremely difficult to predict, predict but possibly my sense would be we are on the right trajectory after a very long time and we should just move ahead on this trajectory. Okay. Uh, Darshan, one thing we have seen that under GST, evasion is not now incentive. Evasion is not giving any kind of incentive. But still we are finding that so many people are uh, taking advantage of one particular loophole or another loophole. So, and uh, we have seen that because of the special drive, so many uh, assesses have been found that they were having fake ID, fake GST number. So if I have to ask two basic changes uh, in GST law, uh, which will curb the in evasion in a much larger way, what could be those two? Yeah, one would definitely be rationalization of rates because the higher the tax rate, the, you know, the higher the scope or the benefit of evasion. That and you know uh, the numbers what you mentioned. You know we may just want to take it with a pinch of salt because a lot of investigation which is ongoing is sometimes touted by the you know some of the revenue officers as you know fake invoice. You know we've had listed companies who've been alleged of indulging into fake invoicing. You know so, so we we just perhaps may have to uh, take those kind of you know evasion numbers with a pinch of salt. But yes, the rate, uh, you know, uh, needs to be, uh, you know, rationalized. And also there are a few lingering legal issues, okay, which, you know, make compliance a bit difficult. For example, you know, if you are an entity, uh, you know, having a head office in one state, you know, and then, you yeah. know, uh, there are offices across the country. Do you need to, uh, you know, cross-charge your, uh, you know, central, uh, you know, cost? What happens to the brand name? What happens to the logo, which is... You know, uh, with the, you know, uh, with the head office. You know, so there are there are a series I can list down. Uh, you know, a series of such legal uh, issues which are there. And what we have seen is invariably, uh, authority in some state picks up one issue, and he then oh, there's suddenly a press release that oh, so many crores of tax evasion is you know uh, detected. But at the heart of it, it's a legal issue. So, so rate rationalization plus if you are able to you know kind of. Uh, yeah. Simplify or you know clarify on the legal issues. I think that will go a long way, you know, uh, in you know further easing compliance. And if uh, Darshan, if I add one more question uh, to your explanation, that because of the different explanation by different AR are also making things very complicated. Now we have going, uh, we are uh, going uh, for a centralized kind of system, uh, which the GST Council has already approved, but it will take some time. Uh, do you think that the, the lack AR. of common uh, ruling or the common framework among the AR is also making things difficult under GST? 
Yes, you know, uh, the, with the AR, the I think the fundamental change which is required is currently the AR is you know manned by uh, authorities who are tasked tax uh, in whose task is to maximize the revenue. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, you know their officers uh, who have been collecting revenue uh, uh, in all their uh, you know uh, career. So perhaps you know like they are now going to come up with a tribunal which will have equal number of judicial and technical members. Perhaps there may be a need to have an AR which, you know, which 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 incorporate, uh, you know, judicial members. That will kind of give a balance, you know, to uh, you know the rulings of the AR. Because otherwise, what you see is ninety to ninety-five percent of the rulings of the AR are in favor of the department. Mm -hmm. On genuine interpretational issues, you don't have clients wanting to go to AR because they know what the outcome is going to be. Okay. Uh, Mani sir, uh, now coming to the rate rationalization, we all know that next year we are going to have the general election. And there is a group of minister which is looking into uh, rate rationalization. Uh, but now the, there is no convener. We have to think of a new convener for the GM looking into the uh, rate rationalization. Do you think that the rate rationalization uh, will be, I mean, wait for rate rationalization will be much longer now? Okay, so at the outset, what I would say is when we speak of rate rationalization, what we are effectively saying is that the 5, 12, 18, 28 that we have, these are the four broad rates that we have. These should come down to three rates. We cannot obviously be a two-rate country because our demographics are very different from many other countries which have a two-rate structure. Mm -hmm. And GST being an indirect tax, it impacts poor people much more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the demographic constituency needs to be considered whenever we discuss rate rationalization. So we have four rates now at a broad level. If we keep gold, silver, diamond aside, we have four broad rates, 5, 12, 18, 28. So these can possibly be brought down to three rates. Now, if these are to be brought down to three rates, effectively, the 12% rate will potentially go off and some products in that may get subsumed into 5 and some may get subsumed into 18 unless we want to tinker with the rates themselves. Okay. Since 18% is a well and widely accepted rate applicable to 70% of the products, uh, to me, it seems unlikely anyone will want to tinker with an 18 and make it a 17 or make it a 19. Uh, possibly that will cause much more inconvenience to businesses. Mm -hmm. So if we assume that we are going to have the rate of 12 going off sometime in future, in this year, next year, whenever, we have to bear in mind that even today, there are very few products which are at 12%. So when we talk of four rates, it is not that each rate bucket has 25% of the products in it mm -hmm. or the overall collection comes from all the four buckets equally. It does not. 75 to 80% of the products are in the 18% bucket. Mm -hmm. There are very few products in the 28% bucket, which is largely automobile automobile parts, tobacco, pan masala and cement. Mm -hmm. These are the 28% items. So the 5% items again include essential goods, hmm. packaged rice, packaged data, and products like that. 
So the 12% rate bucket today, even today, includes very few products. And the challenge before them would be that if any of these products move up to 18, they may become uncompetitive. Mm -hmm. There may be a larger case where people will not want to pay the tax. Mm -hmm. Equally, if all the 12% items come down to 5%, there will be a revenue loss that will come out of it. Mm -hmm. That is basically, I guess, what the all the policymakers are grappling with. And since 12% includes very few products, they may not be in a hurry to move in for rate rationalization at an early date. They may take their own time in coming to a conclusion on that. And what about inverted duty structure? Because that is one area where we have a more concern uh, than the straightforward taxation system. How, how, how to deal about that? So the inverted duty structure has been progressively dealt with in various GST council meetings. There are very few products today which are left with inverted duty structure. But the challenge again for the products that are but left. Textile now, is there, Mr. Mani. Textile absolutely. is there. Fertilizer absolutely. is there. Tractor absolutely. is there. There are so many products that are still there. Absolutely. And textile. If I take the textile, that is the most uh, challenging one. Absolutely. So in inverted duty structure, the reason why possibly we still have some products left is because of the fact that the only way to rectify the inverted duty structure is to raise the rate of duty on the output mm -hmm. so that the inverted duty goes away. Mm -hmm. So the inverted duty structure is cost because the rate on the output is higher and the rate on the input is lower. That is what leads to an inverted duty need for refunds, etc. So if the rate on the input is increased to match that of the output, it goes away. Mm -hmm. The problem is the inputs could potentially be manufactured by SMEs and MSMEs who cannot afford a rate hike. Right. Equally, now the other way of doing it is to bring down the rate of tax on the output. Then the import if that is brought down. So then we have a challenge with the collection. So inverted duty structures, as I said before, have come down significantly. As you rightly pointed out, there still are few products and few cases where it persists. But this, I guess, will go away over a period of time as the GST matures. Okay. We are now into just six years of GST. And for a legislation that is as profound as GST, I would say six years is a very small time span in the life of GST. Okay. Uh, Darshan, coming to compliance issue, this is one area where still we have some complaint in terms of uh, how to be more easier compliance system. What are the two, three things which you feel that it is required in a short to medium term to ease compliance much more than what we have? Uh, see, compliance, if you know, if you look at the GSTN, I think it has been, you know, uh, it leverages technology. Um, there has been a significant simplification, uh, you know, uh, of the, you know, of the return uh, interface and all. I think what is needed is to ease compliance is the law. I think there are a series of legal issues as you know, as I mentioned. I think when people talk about there's a problem with GST compliance means they have perhaps have a non-clarity on a particular issue. Okay. Or to give you an example, okay, there may have taken a particular position now which has been overruled by a court and now suddenly they are having a massive liability. Uh, they're staring at a massive liability for the past five years. Okay, uh, so can we, you know, have concept like prospective overruling means 
if I have taken a tax position based on the law which was existing at a particular point of time, mm -hmm. okay, and thereafter there is a overruling of that position by a court or you know uh, by way of an amendment, it has to be prospective in nature. I you know uh, because I have already sold my goods, I have passed on the tax which I think was liable. Now if you are you know uh, you know uh, imposing a massive liability on me that may you know uh, cause severe uh, business disruptions. So when people say that there are compliance issues, I think it, it may not just be, you know, the problem in filing the returns or with the GSTN. It is perhaps with the, the clarity in some of the legal provisions, you know, the way our justice system works, you know, where we have different high courts, as you mentioned, uh, the ARs where, you know, they are prone to different interpretations. How do you streamline this? Okay, okay I'll give you an example. We had a, we have a client who's taken a uh, AR ruling in Karnataka. They are a pan-India company. Now, uh, uh, you know, his jurisdictional authority in other state is saying, boss, I'm not going to follow mm -hmm. the ruling what you obtained in Karnataka. I'm going to, uh, you know, adopt an independent position. Now, if I'm a pan-India company, then for each issue, do I need to approach 30 advanced ruling authorities? Okay, so, uh, so I think uh, these are, you know, uh, some of the underlying... Uh, you know, problems which, which manifest into compliance issues. Okay. So, Darshan, if I understand correctly, that subordinate legislation also need to be the uniform one and also the implementation and interpretation of that subordinate legislation is also critical. Mr. Mani, my final question to you that if I go for, uh, say, if we talk in, say, 2026, after two years. So, at that time, what kind of changes you will talk about uh, when we are going to discuss about eight years or nine years of GST. Okay, so at the outset, let me just uh, mention that I'm not an astrologer and I'm just a tax guy. So extremely difficult to predict the future. But if the plans that we have been hearing in terms of how the economy is going to go ahead, and assuming we do not have too many headwinds that come up between now and 2026, then the size of the economy should be so gigantic that the GST collections would cease to be a topic of interest every month. Mm -hmm. And possibly then the entire focus of media and everybody else on GST collections would only be in those months where it does not reach its potential. That is the only thing that would get reported. Otherwise, it's going to you know happen. My sense in terms of what we can expect going forward, I can see this trend already. Because of the excellent data that the GSTN has, mm -hmm. and because they're sharing it with various other tax authorities, I believe there is a positive spin-off even in respect of the income tax collections, which we have seen going up. Mm -hmm. So when the income tax collections go up, Possibly some part of it is also because they have access to data in respect of supplies, purchase and sale made by various entities which are expected to figure in the income tax return as well. Mm -hmm. So two years or three years from now, I would expect this data integration between the GST authorities and the income tax authorities to be seamless. That may be online real time. And therefore, if you look at the overall tax collections, and look at the tax collection percentage as a proportion of GDP, that may be much higher than what it is now. Okay. Uh, Darshan, the final question to you that if I talk about the medium term, say three to five years, what are the two, three changes which you will see in uh, going to be part of the GST system? 
I think the tribunal, GST tribunal, which is really long overdue. Uh, we are, you know, almost six years after GST, and we don't get have a tribunal. So that definitely. And you know, there has been a recent trend of, you know, for example, liquidated damages. You know, that was a very intricate issue. Uh, you know, where nobody had a clarity, but the the CBIC uh, came out with a clarification. So. you know likewise there are another series of 5 to 10 you know intricate issues similar to liquidated damages we may you know have the cbic you know come out with clarifications even in relation to those okay so that will you know uh, you know have you know give a lot of clarity to the taxpayers okay mr mani darshan thank you very much for uh, talking on various aspect of uh, gst with this we close this session thank you very much thank, thank you very much Thank you, Shishir. Thank you.